When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Brought to you by North Memorial Health, where customers are treated like family. That means a big smile when you walk in the door and making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. Just like your family treats you, find your health family at NorthMemorial.com slash family. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. They get ready to play a game at home, and we got to get ready to play a game uh, at a high level. This is a team that's running the ball really well. They're controlling the game with their run game on offense. They have a phenomenal defense. Their front is a major issue. Uh, the schemes that they run are a problem. They've got a lot of players that have been playing there for a while now, and I think you really see the uh, nucleus of that team that's been there for about four or five years um, and the leadership of that team taking over and just really um, you know, driving that team to be what they are. So um, for us, if we don't focus on that, then we're going to have a major issue come Sunday, and I can't let that happen. That was Detroit Lions head coach Matt Patricia, Matthew Collar, Alex Boone here. A very exciting day as we have Carson Palmer joining us at 2.20. But, uh, Alex, I have a question for you that is sort of a carryover from last segment where Rami and I were talking. Um, Mm -hmm. Do people try to challenge you to fight because you're a large man who played in the NFL? Does that ever happen to you? Like you're talking about like when I'm walking down the street? Well, not yeah. I mean that, or just like, like I'm at the Mall of America. Places. Yeah, I mean, did that ever happen to you where people are like I could take you, Boone? Matt, do I look like the kind of guy that you want to get in a tussle with? Again, you like, would think uh, that. I, you would like, think no, that. but I know, I know. People think that, and then you see me, and then are you still like, you know what? That's the guy I want to hit me. Like I look like I'm the guy that I you don't want to hit you because I won't stop either. I, but, I'm a goer. But that's what. Goer. But that's what's funny about this story about someone pulling up and punching Miles Garrett in the face. It's like Miles Garrett now, is pretty large and shredded. <laughs> it's not. Listen, first of all. I feel really bad about this. I'm from Cleveland, so I gotta like be like, man, I'm really embarrassed that somebody, not only from Strongsville, that's my wife's city too. Like, talk about a city that's man. just needs some work. Because if you're just gonna walk <laughs> up to somebody when they're in their car and punch them in the face and run away, like, dude, what does that say about your city? What do you? What does that say about you people and fans? Like, ah, terrible. Yeah, no, that was that was terrible. But I, I knew an NHL fighter, and I worked on a show with an NHL fighter who said that every time he would be out and about, there would be people, especially if it was a let's say a um, a sports restaurant late at night, it would always get people saying, you know, I I, I could take you, man. Let's go outside. And like, dude, no, I'll kill you and get arrested. Uh, <laughs> and, and I mean, he was six five, two seventy, or something like that. It was like, you know, six foot guys saying, "Come on, man, let's go." I just wondered, does like did that happen often to football players where people are like, "I could take you, man." No, no that's probably for the best. Probably for the yeah. best. 
All right, well, yeah. let's talk about the Lions here and the Vikings, and then we'll get to uh, Carson Palmer at 220, which I know you are very excited to talk to your so excited. former oh, teammate. Like bouncing off the walls, dude. <laughs> talk about a great guy. Can't wait to talk to him. Yeah, one of your favorite teammates. So we'll uh, get into a conversation with him about Kirk Cousins and a few things around the league in about 15 minutes. Um, what do you think about Matt Patricia coming from the Bill Belichick tree and showing flashes at times of having a really, really great defense yeah, you know, I, I think that there's um, kind of a back and forth going on because he's got a good defense, he's got good players, but the numbers haven't really backed that up. But they've also played Kansas City, Green Bay, like they've gone against some good quarterbacks here. What what is it like to play against a Bill Belichick style of defense, Alex? You know what? I haven't really played him a lot, but I did play him in December when they're supposed to be like unbeatable. We were like the only team to ever beat him in December. If you look at his record, it's like fifty five and like one, and it's like. We're the one. It's so funny. But when you're talking about a Bill Belichick defense, it's all about the scheme. I mean, you look at these guys and you're like, dude, these guys on any other team are not starters. Like, they're just half the D-line. You're like, who is this guy? I don't even never even heard of this guy. This guy wasn't even drafted. Like, But they're so effective because they know exactly what you're doing. They know exactly how to play you, and they know exactly where your weakness is. I remember playing them in the, like, sleet and rain. It was, like, 35 degrees, like, just at the benchmark where it's not snow, but it's not rain. And it was a rough game. And I remember we got there, and it was slippery, and Greg Roman was like, listen, we're going to stick to the game plan. We're going to run the ball, and we're going to take them deep. Like, that's the whole game plan today. So we're like, perfect, let's do it. We ended up going up, like, 41 to nothing in two quarters. And it was, like... When you have a plan and you stick to it and you believe in the plan, and I remember that was a big thing that week was believing in the plan. Like, you got to believe because Bill's going to come after us and he might stop us like six, seven times, but you got to believe in the plan. You can't just be like, oh, here's another zone. Here's another power. There's a reason we're running this. This power, this zone is going to set up the play action down the road. This is where we need their linebackers to bite. And this is back when they had like spikes and mayo and mm-hmm. all those crazy thumpers. So it was like, hey, listen, the main, like every week we had a main run. And what was that main run that week? ISO. He was like Will Tukuwafu, our 315-pound fullback. That's that a really fullback. Was a, he was a defensive lineman, but he just loved hitting people so much. And they call everybody, Oos, hey, Oos. And he, they'd be like, hey, listen, A-gap, Oos, run down A-gap. He was like, Oos, love A-gap. We were like, dude, <laughs> this is going to be great. And I remember I watched Gerard Mayo hit this kid, 315 pounds of Samoan blood. I swear to God, the toughest kid I ever met in my life. And Gerard Mayo put him on his butt. And I was like, is this for real? Like, did this just happen? Like, they got some really sneaky good players over there. And they're really tough, and they're smart, and they know what you're doing. I remember looking at Vince Wilfork, and he was kind of laughing. And I was like, what's so funny, fat boy? And he was like, I know you're playing. I was like, God, bless it. So I'm like, you know, then you're, then you're sitting there, and you're like trying to change it real quick. Like, hey, the deuce is off. It's really a B. And he's like, nah, dude, I'm not stupid. You're like, all right, deuce is back on. We're good. <laughs> But it's, you know, when you're playing those defenses, just know that they know what you're doing. You just have to execute it better than them. And that's what it took the other night for Green Bay. Um, Wash Aaron Rodgers did have one of his better games, and he made some big-time throws down the field. And, And what stuck out to me about the plays that Rodgers made was he was willing to take risks into tight coverage because Darius Slay and Justin Coleman are two of the best cornerbacks in the entire NFL. And I was looking at a stat today from NFL Next Gen, Alex, which sounds like right up your alley. Um, Love it. There's an aggressiveness percentage, all right, which... Oh, my God. I know. <laughs> but stay with me here. No, I can't. I'm dying, dude. I'm dying. That, 
you know, well, this this will have some payoff. So this is just how often a quarterback throws the ball into tight coverage with a corner right by a wide receiver. And Kirk Cousins has the lowest percentage of doing that. Matt Stafford has the highest percentage of throwing to his receiver, basically trusting your receiver when he's covered that he's going to go up and make a play. And Cousins last year, among the lowest, it's sort of been throughout his career, loves to pretty much throw it when guys are open. And I wonder if that will be a tough challenge for him because these guys are just really good and they love to play man coverage. Yeah, and not only that, but they're not really blitzing that much. And, and you know, they're going to be dropping somebody in coverage. Those windows are going to get tight. And I agree with you. I think that it takes a lot for a quarterback when you talk about, even though, like, we joke about Aaron Rodgers being watched, you do. I don't. I never do. But he can make some really incredible throws. And so can Matt Stafford. And I think that, that when you're talking about these great quarterbacks, that's what makes them great in people's eyes, is that they can put the throw where it needs to be. Like, hey, listen, in a contested catch, it was put in the perfect spot. Like mm-hmm. Russell Wilson, one of the greatest quarterbacks to play the game because he can put the ball wherever he wants to. Hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drop this over your back shoulder. It's going to fall right in the breadbasket, bro. Just keep running. Like receivers are like, no, nah, I don't believe you. He's like, just watch. I got this, <laughs> right? That's what makes them great. That's what people like look at and they're like, man, that is a great receiver. With Kirk, I feel bad because most of the time, Thielen's so wide open that he's never really contesting anything. Like Diggs, they're so wide open. Look at last week against Rasul Douglas. He jogged past him. He was not, there was no, like, uh, is this real? Did this just happen? <laughs> yeah, like, there was, was no, no safety point. help there. Right, like when you're looking at plays like that, you're like, well, I mean, that, that was no brainer. He was wide open. So when you, I think that obviously I'm not a fan of this next gen stuff. I think this is all just a bunch of hooiness that people get excited about to add more flavor to football because it's not crazy enough with a bunch of guys running into each other. We got to see how fast they're running and contested catches and all this. But when you talk about the great quarterbacks, they have the highest percentage and they make the best completions out of those contested catches. Yeah, and I think what you see is some of the quarterbacks who can make those throws, they do have great schemes and a lot of guys are wide open. You can't blame the quarterback for that. I mean, last week, Kirk Cousins was not going to have to throw into tight windows because right. those windows were wide open and yeah. allowing 50-plus yard touchdowns. But this week, I think that that's going to change quite a bit. And with yeah. Cousins... I have always wondered about, especially against good defenses, his mentality. And a lot of times it has come across as, let me try not to make the mistake, but then he kind of will anyway. Let me try to be a little more conservative. Let me pull the ball down. You know, he'll kind of drop his eyes to the rush sometimes and he won't throw into those tight windows. And I think that's one of the reasons why his numbers are so wild between playing against good defenses and not good defenses where he lights up the defenses that can't cover his wide receivers and the ones that can, he has a lot of trouble with it. And I think this week, if we're going to believe that he's taken on a little bit different mentality, has a little bit more of a chip on the shoulder than he has maybe in the past, as he has kind of said, then we'll see it this week because Justin Coleman is going to be on top of you. Darius Slay is going to be on top of you. I mean, as good as Diggs and Thielen are, they're not going to consistently over the entire game, just leave these guys in the dust. No, it's not going to happen. I agree. And this is the perfect week. I mean, you're going to be on a road setting. Like, what a better challenge for your team than to go on the road versus a divisional opponent that likes to play man-to-man. Like, hey, listen, these throws this week, they can't be messing around. But I think if you keep Kirk on the run, and and this is one of those things that I want to ask Carson about this too, and I'm excited to see what he says, but 
My opinion is if you just keep Kirk on the run and keep him comfortable on that boot path or those mm-hmm. play actions, as long as you do that, that it, to him is like rhythmic. It's like an offensive lineman. Everything's rhythmic to us. You know, like you can't set once without setting twice. Like it's, everything's a rhythm. And if you don't do it right, it's like everything's thrown off. So for him, in my opinion, he's like, hey, listen, I like to be on the move. I like to constantly just kind of have a little brisk jog to me doing some things. I think when he's moving around, he's like these guys that just light it up. But he's when he's it's when he stands back there that I feel like maybe he feels the pressure from maybe whatever getting hit. Uh, maybe he just knows it's too much time in his head. Like, hey, play's breaking down. I got to do something. You know, it's just when he's on the run, it's like everything goes through his mind a lot smoother and quicker, and things just happen better for him. Yeah, and it also seems like when he is on those bootlegs, he is very very accurate. Um, yes. So accurate, he hit Stephon Diggs right in the mask and it <laughs> fluttered and turned into an interception. But that was a great example of what you're talking about, where when he's rolling out and he's on the move, he seems to be able to contort his body a little bit and make a throw that is extremely accurate down the field. And it seems like Gary Kubiak and Kevin Stefanski have decided, you know what, we're going to do a lot of that. Uh, Sage Rosenfels, who was on yesterday, said that he only counted, out of all the dropbacks that Cousins had, he only counted nine times where he just dropped straight back and that was it with no play action or no bootleg or anything like that just a straight drop back and I I think you're completely right when he has to do that when he has to be put in in situations where he's dropping straight back and sitting there and and feeling that rush I I think he's worse and and that's what John D. Filippo asked a lot of him last year usually out of the shotgun but it was a lot of take the snap you know stand in there assess the defense and that was where he kind of struggled yeah, and I think that, too, when when you're talking about this, when you're on the move, things happen a little bit more in your favor. Like, it's, you know, when you're moving the pocket, number one, the defense has to kind of try and contain you, right, and then they can't, and you're moving around. Well, then everything's like, it's almost like a natural breakdown of the play, right? Like, everybody's moving, now the quarterback's moving, now the defense is trying to chase the quarterback. Is he going to run? Is he not going to run? You know, now obviously Kirk's not one of these guys like Lamar Jackson that's just going to go down the field with it, but he still has the ability to get five, six, seven yards, which is an efficient play. I mean, hey, guys, the play broke down. I took off. We got five, six play, five, six yards. We're good, right? We're going into second and three, third and three. So I think if you can keep him on the right, and we've said this before on the show, that listen, with this offense, get rid of the drop back. Just do everything on a play action. I mean, who cares? Third and 12, bro, we're going to either run power or we're going to play action power. But either way, you're getting deuced and someone's getting hit. So <laughs> let's have some fun. Let's do it. And amazingly, almost no matter the situation, linebackers are like moths to flames. Like, oh, are they going to run? Uh, you know, it's it's really wild because even when you see, and this is a little bit of um, a, a misnomer about you know the specific running backs, you'll sometimes see backup running backs in or whoever, and they'll still just, oh, I'm supposed to read the running back, so I guess I'll just, right. or or like you said, situations where it's second and 20 and they run a play action, well, I've got to come up here and check just in case, and then there's somebody. <laughs> you never running, know. Right, you never well, know. And that's the thing is like, the problem they have to do that is because, think about a defensive coordinator, like it's third and uh-huh. 20, they run a power and get a first down, and you're like, hey, guys, what are we doing? Oh, dude, there's no way they would have ran power. Like, there's no way, you're like, you can't be the defense that gives up the power play on third and 20 that all right. of a sudden everyone's like, this is why. Like, God, we look so dumb. But everybody in the league is biting. It's not just like three, four, five teams. If you really watch these games, and you can go watch them on NFL or the XOS, whatever, 
Watch how hard these linebackers are coming downhill. Four, five yards. I remember playing, if you could get a guy to come three yards, step three yards up, it was like, oh, my God. And we had the best tricks to have them do it. But now they're like in the backfield almost. Like it's insane to me how they're just ruining defenses off the play action. Right. It seems like it's gotten worse, not better, which is weird. But now this this week is where it will be fascinating, Alex, because last year Matt Patricia started having his linebackers not bite as much on uh, the game they played the Rams, and their defense was really good against the Rams that day. They didn't win, but they sort of laid out the blueprint a little bit for what the Patriots would ultimately use in the Super Bowl to slow down the Rams. And here the Vikings are coming in saying, yeah, that's what that's what we do is we bring the linebackers up and, and, and we use the play action all the time. And this is where I think if you're concerned about anything going into this game, it's did Matt Patricia figure out a few things on the defensive side to slow this down? And if they did, what's going to be your counterpunch? And that's what we haven't had to see the Vikings really do is, or at least they haven't done successfully in the games where they've been great offensively. It's start to finish. They're great. They run over Atlanta. They run over Oakland. They run over the Eagles defense. How how are they in a counterpunch situation where they struggle in the first half and have to come out in the second half? Because the couple of times we've seen that, it hasn't been good. Yeah, and you know what the game that I, I really think about when you say that is 2016 when we played the Colts. Remember that game? Oh, I do, that yeah. Was, yep. That was, that was the, the Eric Swoop game. game. I swear to God, it was the worst game that I've ever had to be a part of. And it was just like... We couldn't get anything going, and then you go in at halftime, and imagine plan B not getting going. Like, you're like, dude, we're like hitting plan C and D. You can't do that with this team. Like, they, they gotta chip away. They gotta, you gotta move snacks and Asia. There's no, I mean, I think if you can take care of those two guys, this game is soda. I'm mm-hmm. not even kidding you. I think if, cause if you're gonna run the ball effectively, hey, listen, we're not gonna bite on anything. That's great. Until Dalvin's running down everybody's right. face, and then it goes, okay, listen, right. I was kidding. We're really gonna have to bite on these now. This dude, comes down the middle we got to take him right and then all of a sudden we've just opened the play action just stay away from that five and seven step you want to do the three step have some fun man but for the most part everything all the big plays come off the play action and then it's like you get worried because teams just start doing really well right now and then you go on a road to play a divisional opponent sometimes you want to put a little extra stamp on it so you start running the crazy plays you know what i'm saying and that's where i think a lot of offenses start to hinder themselves as opposed to just saying hey listen Let's just run the ball effectively and run the play action and have some fun and go home. That's All right. It. Let's have some fun here on the show. We're going to take a break. Yes. When we come back, your former teammate, Carson Palmer, who does a little broadcasting these days. We're going to bring him on, talk about Kirk Cousins and some other things around the league and a little bit about what he's up to now. When we return, you'll listen to Purple Daily on Score North. North Memorial Health has over 400 care providers. That's right, more than 400 care providers and more than 6,000 team members that are dedicated to keeping you healthy. North Memorial Health is proud to partner with the Minnesota Vikings as they work to make Minnesota the healthiest in the league. They're more than a team at North Memorial Health. They're your family. At North Memorial Health, customers are treated like family. Your health family is more than a tagline. It's a commitment to delivering unmatched customer service. That means a big smile when you walk in the door. That means making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. It means asking, what else can we do for you? North Memorial Health will treat you like family in a good way. The people at North Memorial Health will team up with you to help you achieve your best health. So step up your health care game today and find your health family at northmemorial.com slash family. Once again, that's northmemorial.com slash family. In Arizona from the 20-yard line. What's coming, Matthews. 
Palmer stepping away at first. Palmer extending the play. There. Crosses the field. Larry Fitzgerald. Fitzgerald is going to take it into Green Bay territory. Larry Fitzgerald inside the 30. The 20. Larry Fitzgerald is insane to the four-yard line. As great as it was by Fitzgerald, it may be better by Carson Palmer. Watch this. Escape somehow finds Fitzgerald across the field to set this entire thing up. Much tighter formation this time out of the shotgun. Brown is the motion man. Little flip to Fitzgerald and scores! And the Cardinals win an amazing game. All right, we are back here on Purple Daily, and if you couldn't guess who our next guest is going to be, I am. Uh, I'm going to pass the ball over and let you play host for a second, Alex Boone, so you can welcome in our next guest to the show. Go ahead, sir. I love it, and I got to introduce this guy just because 14 years in the NFL, over 46,000 yards. 294 touchdowns, three Pro Bowls, a Heisman, and just got inducted into the Ring of Honor and the toughest quarterback to wear cleats, Carson Palmer. Welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing well, Booner. It's good to talk to you, man. It's been a while. It's been way too long, man. It's great to hear your voice. Um, Car- Carson, uh, I think uh, we, we want to start out with a couple of questions about the NFL now, and then I want you guys to get into some of your uh, career and also what it's like to play with Alex Boone. It's weird to work with him on the radio. I cannot imagine in an NFL locker room all the time. Um, uh, l- let me start out, Carson. I want to tell you that the thing that I respect about your career the most is your resilience. I mean, the number of injuries you came back from to continue to have winning seasons and go to Pro Bowls, um, far apart, actually, with your Pro Bowls. It was uh, incredible to me. And I-, and I wonder about when you look at someone like Kirk Cousins and see a guy who gets criticized a lot and, and he's struggling to make the playoffs and he's got the contract and everything else. How is it that you shut out all the noise when you have that type of pressure on you as a quarterback? Well, it's, it's one of those things that you hear guys say all the time that they don't, they don't hear it. It's just, it's impossible not to hear it. Right. I mean, it's, it's everywhere, especially during the football season with all the different media outlets, you, you can't be completely unaffected by it. So there, there's a little bit, um, there's, there's a little bit of an effect it can have on you if you're good at blocking it out. If you're not good at blocking it out, then you just don't make it and, and you don't play as long as Kirk Cousins has, has been playing. So he's obviously, um, you know, he's done a good job of not listening to all that noise and just trying to focus on his job. But the guys that, that can't take the criticism or, um, it affects them too much just don't end up making it very long. Carson, do you think he values the O-line more or the run game? What do you think when it comes to Kirk? What's going to help him out the most, and what's going to help him get this team to the playoffs? Well, I think one of the things Kirk does uh, really as good as, as any, any quarterback in the league is his play-action game is really, really good. When he can go through a long play-action, take a big seven-step drop, and, and hit the ball that, that he hit to, to uh, Stephon Diggs last week, um, when he has a chance to step into throws, especially in the play-action game, he does a really, really good job. I think one of the things that's, that's been hard for him is when he can't step into throws, whether it's a five-step drop, a three-step drop, or a long seven-step drop. When he has to shuffle his feet and move in the pocket and can't get everything on the ball that he wants to get because he can't really step into the throw and transfer his weight and transfer his energy and, and create velocity on the football, I, I think that's where he's struggled. And, um, I know there's been a handful of injuries there up front. He's he's one of those quarterbacks. You know, he's he's not going to beat you with his legs. He can beat you with his deep ball. He can beat you with his accuracy underneath. But 
when he doesn't have a chance to, to get to the top of his drop and step up in the pocket and work towards his target, he, he hasn't been very successful. Carson, what is it about, we were just talking about this, about the, the play-action game that is so effective, because I, I was looking up some stats just for Alex. He's always got stats requests. Um, that, oh, uh, <laughs> Hate him. <laughs> that uh, well, Kirk Cousins' percentage of dropbacks where they're using play action has gone up by twelve percent, which is a huge gain this year. And I think that we're seeing um, the impact of that. So, from a quarterback's perspective, why does that help so much to have play action in the bootlegs to be able to work the ball downfield? Well, it draws that underneath it. It draws all the linebackers up. They've got to come up and, and get ready to play the run. Uh, in order to do that, you know, before you say that, you've got to be effective running the football and and. With the running game that they've they've had early, they've had some really big explosive runs that defenses really just kind of break their backs when when you have a you know a sixty and a fifty yard run that they've been able to rip off. But it, once you start going play action, it draws everybody up closer. It makes those safeties stare in the backfield for just a half a second and not backpedal and get depth. But it makes them think, you know, I might have to drive and run towards the line of scrimmage in case it's a run. And that's where you're getting those big, long touchdown passes like Stefan's that we talked about earlier. So Kirk's obviously taking a lot of criticism, and there's a lot of criticism going around the league right now. I mean, I'm even looking in Cleveland, because I'm from Carson. You know that. I'm from Cleveland. and I First love time you've Baker. ever mentioned it on the show, Alex. Uh, what can I say? I love Baker, but he's taking a lot of criticism. Do you think that these guys are taking too much heat for this team's performance? No, it's, it's just part of the deal. I mean, it's, it's unfortunate, um, but... You know, as we said, there's so many different media outlets and Instagram and Twitter, you know, conversations, and there's there's just so much free time that that people are spending, you know, on, on Instagram and 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 at all these different outlets. So, you know, if you're not winning, it's really easy to point the finger at the coach or point the finger at the offensive line or the quarterback or the defense. Um, and I think just in today's world, with with the, all all the access that fans have to to the players. That's just the new norm. It, it is. If you're winning, everything's great, and everybody's the best player in the world. And if you're losing, everybody's overpaid, and they stink, and they need to find a new quarterback. That's just the world that, that the NFL plays in now. How, what, what was your approach, um, Carson, to handling things like uh, the media at the podium each week? Because, you know, Baker Mayfield has had a few moments where it seems like um, people from the outside have been able to get to him. Specifically, Rex Ryan made a few comments, and then Baker had to shoot back. Or Colin Coward makes a few comments, and he feels like he's got to shoot back at the podium. And sometimes we've even talked about Cousins, where he would go up after games and say, well, you know, if we had that block at the right whatever, then this would have gone differently, kind of throwing guys under the bus accidentally, I think. Not necessarily on purpose, but it seems like it's really hard when all of your words are going to be picked apart each week by the entire media. Well, you open yourself up to that. I mean, when you do call out guys or talk about the refs or um, have excuses or start getting in conversations with, you know, Colin Coward's one of the biggest names in, in the radio world and, and once you start those kind of feuds and those Twitter battles, you're opening yourself up to more criticism. So, um, you know, again, it's, it's, it's the landscape of the NFL. Everybody's criticized and given too much, too much respect and too much love when they win. Um, but once you, start, once you start talking trash back and forth to guys that you know, sit in front of a microphone all day and have thousands or hundreds of thousands of followers – once you start that game, it's it's tough to get back from that. I mean, the only thing you can do to get out of that hole is just win every single game from there on out, which is I don't, pretty hard. 
I don't think anything could have ever faced Carson. Did you see what he had to wear to some of those games from the from the, <laughs> yes. the games? And I got to know, Carson, who started that ball game that you guys played on Fridays? So I, I started that back in, in my years when I was playing in Cincinnati in, in your home state of Ohio. I'm not sure if anybody knows that. But <laughs> uh, back in the day, John Kitna, who, who uh, was a quarterback on the team with me and a, and a good friend of mine who's now actually Dak Prescott's quarterback coach with the Cowboys, Yep. He and I started doing. Uh, we we started throwing footballs at a, at the goalposts. We tried to hit the crossbar, and then it kind of it got a, you know snowball effect and turned out to be these really cool trash cans they built that could you know articulate and angle and, and raise uh, you know to different levels from four feet high to ten feet high, and we we really created a fun game out of it and a great way to compete during the week. The number of contraptions that NFL teams have is amazing. Like the Vikings, they have these donuts that they're rolling around and having guys try to cut block donuts, and they've got a red ball they throw at people. It's amazing. Um, Car- Carson, something that Alex was talking to me off the air about with uh, playing with you, and, and you guys only played together for a short time, but he was really um, impressed with your poise when it came to big games and big situations and things like that, and we just played in the playoffs, and Alex said he felt like you were always in control of everything that was going on out there and I, I i'm always i think impressed and we've talked about it with teddy bridgewater with a quarterback that makes people better around him was that something that you learned as you went along or that you found was just um a natural part of your game early on in playing football or did you develop that in some way no i mean i i guess maybe just kind of personality wise and just kind of go with the flow and and when things are good and hot don't make too big of a deal and when things are really bad don't make too big of a deal um you know, maybe it's something I learned at a at an early age that you got to kind of have an even keel um, outlook on life and 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 personality, especially in the locker room. Um, so it's something it's something that kind of reflects just you know I, I don't get too strung up on on certain things and and don't get too down on myself at, at certain times. Um, and it, you know, fortunately, it, uh, it worked out. Um, you know, football wise, that that that's my, that my how my personality matched. Um, playing the quarterback position because I think it's important for quarterbacks. You know, you see some quarterbacks that just get so riled up and so frustrated and so angry at certain guys or certain refs. You just gotta you gotta focus on the next play. As soon as you start dwelling on the the bad call that just happened or um, the bad throw you just made or you know a guy dropped the ball, missed a block, whatever it is. As soon as you start letting those little things affect you from previous plays. They affect the next play, and I think I learned that at an early age playing quarterback. Since I think I was probably eight or eight or nine, ten years old. Dude, it was you were infectious, especially in the locker room. The way you would just talk, and you'd be like, "All right, guys, listen, we're good. We're going to come back to the G play. We're going to come back to the." I, mean, I was like, "Oh my god, this guy's so infectious. I love him." But listen, I'm thinking about Arizona, and I'm thinking about how you just got inducted in the Ring of Honor. How awesome was that? And I got to know if you get inducted in one place, do all the other places have to induct you too? I don't think it works like that. Unfortunately, that would be really cool because wouldn't it? That uh, that Minnesota. Oh man, that Minnesota Vikings stadium. If you could go into that Ring of Honor, I mean that that place is amazing. That was one of my favorite places I, I got the chance to play. Um, but yeah, I mean it, it was it was such an amazing weekend. My whole family was there. I had a bunch of friends that have been supporting me from college all the way throughout my career, um, and and to be back on the field. You know, against the Seahawks, Pete Carroll, my college coach, was on the other sideline, and just a bunch of got got to see all the fellas, all the guys are still, you know, AQ Shipley and Larry Fitz, and and all the guys that 
Chandler Jones and all the guys that that are still there when I was playing, and uh, just a really really special special weekend and a great homecoming for my family to be a part of. Wow. Did you did it feel weird getting to wear pet like not wear pads out there? It was odd, man. It was odd. I'm not gonna lie. I had on like you know some nice penny loafers and a suit, <laughs> and to walk out there on on you know on the grass and be around all these guys and the pads again. Uh, it was definitely a weird feeling. I felt, I, I will say, I felt very executive. You know, I felt kind of like Steve Kine. He's always looking sharp down there and all the GMs down there in their suits and ties. And uh, I kind of felt like one of those guys, so it was pretty cool. Carson, I, I watched your a Football Life documentary in the NFL Network, and those are always incredible. If uh, people haven't seen it, it's super, super good. goes through all the things that you battled throughout your career. And I wonder about what you think sort of your legacy is. Because every time we ask players, hey, what do you think of this accomplishment? They always say, I'll reflect on that while, when I'm retired. Well, guess what, Carson? You're retired, so you've got to do it. Sure. Um, wh- what do you think about it when, when you look back of how everything turned out? You know, I wouldn't change a thing. Um, you know, I, I got to live a, a childhood dream. You know, I, I I was that kid in my backyard at night playing catch with myself and doing the five, four, three, two, one. You know, throwing up a hail mary to myself and run and dive and catch. You know, I, I dreamt of of those times um, and dreamt of playing in college. Just I, I just want to play in high school first, and then you get to high school. I just want to play in college, and then. So I, you know, I, I was very fortunate to to have a, a really uh, positive perspective throughout my career because I was always playing a game that I, that I loved. I loved everything about it. Um, so, you know, I, when, when I think back about all the opportunities and, and the play, the stadiums I got to play in and the, the, the fans that I got to play in front of, um, I, I think the thing that sticks out most are just the people and the faces, the Alex Boones, um, <laughs> you know, the, the equipment managers and, and Cincy, Jeff Brickner and, and Schwim in Arizona and Danny Moe and, and Oakland and, um, you know the just the coaches, the the people that work upstairs in the in the, in the um, you know for the organizations and ticket sales, just the people you dealt with on a daily basis. Obviously, the teammates and and the guys that that you practice with and sit in meetings. And so I, when I think back of you know for playing for 15 years, it was amazing. I just remember all the great great teammates I played with and and uh, the friendships I built with different guys at different stops I had. Carson, I gotta know since you brought it up before we let you go. Are we gonna see you more likely wearing a headset on the sideline or wearing a suit? Neither. Hopefully, <laughs> I don't know. Man. I could see uh, you, know, you being a GM. That would be incredible. It, it would be a great challenge, no doubt. Um, but I, yeah, as you know, and, and you you having young kids too, with four young kids, I'm not trying to miss any. I, I missed a bunch of basketball games and football practices and baseball practices when I was playing and. Right now, I'm I'm, uh, I'm working enough. A handful. I got my my hands on a handful of different uh, projects that I'm that I'm doing that I'm really excited about. One is a, a CBD company, a, a sports cream company that's really helped me called Level Select. Uh, it's a product you can buy online at selectmylevel.com. It's a really cool company. It's something that saved my elbow, and I got a bunch of knee issues and and you know things I'm dealing with in my knees. Uh, so I've got my hands in a couple different things and and really focused on. Uh, the opportunities I'm getting to finally spend with my kids and, and be around some of these these milestones that they're hitting. Dude, I can't blame it. That's awesome. Thanks so much for your time today, Carson. I wish you nothing but the best in the future, and hopefully I get to see you soon. Same to you, Alex. I appreciate it, man. Good to catch up. You guys have a great day. You too, Carson. Thank you. Take care. All right, thanks, Carson. That was um, 
Carson Palmer, former NFL quarterback and the first guy to ever answer Alex Boone's text message asking him to come on. Yes. <laughs> See? I'm not a total cancer. That's right. That's right. Uh, that's great. Well, um, you know what? I think that is uh, going to go among the best in terms of players that I've ever interviewed, just in terms of celebrity status. I did interview Wayne Gretzky once. So he's not above Wayne Gretzky. No. Carson Palmer's no. pretty high on the list, though. Pretty high. I mean, talk about a guy with great character, great for the rooms, great. I mean, just a guy you love to be around. He was always in charge of when we would go on the road, like where we were going to dinner. And it would be like a select guys, and it'd be like, hey, listen, we're going to meet at this place at this time. And don't tell anybody. But all right, cool. Dude, I got the best story for when we come back about what happened when we went to San Francisco. Dude, I totally messed up, but it's a long story, and I can't get into it right now. It's It's... He was pissed though. Okay, Real, let's let's tell, let's pissed. tell that story. I got hot routes coming up at three, and also want to sort of circle back on the stuff that Carson Palmer said about Kirk Cousins as well. Let's uh, continue to talk a, a little bit about that and what maybe we think Carson Palmer's legacy is. Hall of Fame. Let's discuss when we get back here on Purple Daily. Football fans, it's Mackie here for Federated Insurance. You might not know this about me, but I've been a business owner a couple different times in my life. I can relate to the roller coaster ride, the never-ending sea of problems to solve, the exhilaration of those incremental wins. If you're a business owner, I recommend getting to know Federated, which has over a century of experience in protecting businesses and making them as successful as they can be. You want a company like Federated standing behind your business. Visit FederatedInsurance.com to find your local representative. Federated Mutual Insurance Company. It's our business to protect yours. Jonathan here with the Score North download for this hour that's brought to you by the 2020 Choice Bank Minnesota Golf Show. Minnesota United, they open up their playoff action, their MLS Cup playoff action this Sunday on at Allianz Field against the LA Galaxy. And Score North is looking to send you to the game. All you have to do is have the Score North mobile app downloaded, be registered, and enter for your chance to win a pair of tickets to this Sunday's game through the listener rewards portion of our app. And don't forget, you can hear the Sunday's game right here on Score North on AM1500. ScoreNorth.com and the free ScoreNorth mobile app with the pregame beginning at 7, kickoff at 7.30. That's been your ScoreNorth download. Now back to Purple Daily. Well, I think one of the things Kurt does uh, really as good as, as any any quarterback in the league is his play-action game is really, really good. When he can go through a long play-action, take a big seven-step drop and, and hit the ball that, that he hit to, to uh, Stephon Diggs last week, um, when he has a chance to step into throws, especially in the play-action game. He does a really, really good job. I think one of the things that's, that's been hard for him is when he can't step into throws, whether it's a five-step drop, a three-step drop, or a long... If you uh, missed any of our interview with Carson Palmer, then you can get it wherever you get your podcasts. You go to uh, the app there that says podcasts on your iPhone or Spotify. Make sure you give it the old uh, couple-of-star rating there, five preferably, but... If you got a beef with Alex Boone or you don't like analytics, then take four and a half. Um, that was really that was really great, Alex. I, I loved listening to Carson Palmer break down another quarterback, and I thought he just absolutely nailed it with Kirk Cousins. That when he gets time to throw, I mean, he can really show off his arm talent, and this system is starting to work in that way. That Kevin Stefanski and Gary Kubiak have done a lot of things over the last few weeks to resolve the earlier issues in Green Bay and Chicago and get him time to throw. 
Can I say, too, though, that I think a lot of that is getting Zim out of the offense, too? That I think that when you're letting Stefanski kind of sit down and maybe even letting Diggs get out of it, when you're just letting him say, hey, listen, this is what we want to do organically, naturally. This is how the offense should flow. When that's happening, good things are happening. They make it look really easy. They make it look really simple, right? Like Carson said, when he hits his drop, the ball's gone. Boom, we're happy. That's what he's meant to do. That's how he wants to do it. So I think when you let it just happen naturally and organically like they are with the run game and the play action, they're going to be fine. It's going to be smoothed out. You know, I think they've also found a lot of ways to cover up some of the issues with um, you know, the interior of the offensive line. I mean, he mentioned it that when those guys break down and, and they've had their troubles, Garrett Bradbury's a rookie and Pat Elfline is changing positions and Josh Klein has been hurt, and if you can cover that up a little bit, if you could paint over that by moving him away from the rush, getting the defensive line moving one way, I mean, I think that's the best solution because when he gets that pressure up the middle, it seems to have a significant impact on how he handles himself. Yeah, I agree. And I think that when you're looking at – when you talk about pressure coming from the sides, you can move away from that. You can get out of that. There's you know, there's an escape hatch. When it's coming directly at you, sometimes you're kind of like so flustered and it hits you so fast that you're like, I don't know where I'm going to go. Yeah. And that's when, it, like, that's when we've seen the worst things happen. So that's why they say that pressure up the middle can never happen. Like you have to be super stout and firm. And listen, whether they're all just settling in now – that's great. I hope they are settled in now because the season's already begun and they need to go. They're a couple games behind, so you're already behind the eight ball. But if this is what's going to continue to happen and you're organically going to let this get better and better, dude, the sky's the limit for this team. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about that conversation with Carson Palmer. You said you had a story about you oh, and yeah. Carson Palmer. So when we used to go on the road, they would have like, you know, we'd go out to dinner and they were big foodies. So they'd be like, hey, listen, they take us to these wild places. Like we went to, when we went to Seattle, we went to this sushi spot that I've like, you had to like go to an underground casino and it was incredible. <laughs> I'm not even kidding you. We go to London and somehow we're at the back room of a restaurant from a guy from Iron Chef. I'm like, you're an Iron Chef. What are you doing? He's like, I'm about to cook you dinner. Are you ready? I'm like, uh, yeah. So we're like... Like all over the world. Yes, and that place had, went six levels underground in London. Let me tell you, you're never going to have as much fun as you did there. So we're like, hey, we're going to Frisco Booney. You picked the spot. You've been there. You played there for a long time. Like, got it, guys. I'm on it. No question. I can do this. I get him. I'm like, I call Michael Mina, Mr. Iron Chef himself, bourbon restaurant. I call him. Hey, Mike, listen, bringing some guys in for the game. We need to eat. He's like, no problem. I have you set up. I get there the night before the game. The restaurant's closed the night before the game. Oh. Carson oh. looks at me and he goes, "Dude, I know you're not you're not serious with this." I go, oh. "No. No. We're going to eat at the bar." <laughs> Dude, we had to eat in our three-piece suits at this bar cuz I'm like, you know, it's Michael Mina's steakhouse. You got to dress nice. And we're already wearing suits, so I'm like, "Let's just go." Dude, I I'm surprised he like he laughed. Did you notice he kind of uh, he doesn't they were really pissed. Let me just say that, okay? Like they were, they were telling coaches, the other team, oh, other players. Like the I was like, team. dude, it's not that bad. I'm like, it's not even that bad. Like, can you believe he took us to dinner? The place wasn't even open. What an idiot! I was like, okay, that sounds bad. Okay, leave me alone. Uh, well, you know what? At least uh, you got Carson Palmer on our show. You booked him correctly. When you said you were trying to book people for the show, I was like, we'll see how maybe, this goes. Maybe it's the verbiage I've been using. I've been sending you the text messages to prove it. Yeah, no, you're you're doing fine. Um, you, <laughs> trying trying to get Baker Mayfield on the show, I thought was a stretch, but uh, hey, you, you, you I did. got the I got the 
best quarterback you got a to come on. better quarterback than Baker the Mayfield best. to come on. Uh, here's a question for you about your former teammate, Carson Palmer. He's a guy I think about a lot um, with Hall of Fame because Eli Manning's probably going to make the Hall of Fame, and mm-hmm. his stat sheet has a lot of great years and a lot of mm-hmm. not great years. Mm-hmm. Kurt Warner is in the Hall of Fame, and his stat sheet has a lot of great years and a lot of not great years. Now, Palmer did not win the Super Bowl as those two guys did, and that's probably the deciding factor. But when you look at him in comparison, his great years are as good as anybody's that has ever played. I mean, in 2015, he deserved to be the MVP of the NFL. 35 touchdowns, led the league in yards per attempt, 104 quarterback rating. I mean, his his talent was incredible, and when things came together around him, he was MVP level. I think he's probably Hall of Very Good, ultimately, but there's a case there when you compare him to people like Kurt Warner and Eli. I think you're right. The problem becomes where are we drawing the line, right? Like he has yeah. no rings, so you go, well, he's got no rings. Well, a lot of people are automatically going to go, sorry, dude, you're out. Yeah. yeah, It's different for me, though. I'm biased. I played with Carson. I mean, I saw this guy when he shattered his forearm, and it's hanging there, and he threw an interception on the same play, and he's like, hey, don't move. And you're like, all right, dude, I got it. Like, though, I feel differently about him. I obviously feel he should be in the Hall of Fame. I know how into the offense he was. I know how he drew it up. He schemed it up, and he worked tirelessly to, to get it done week in and week out with the coaches. Like, hey, listen, we got to get this play on the sheet this week. It's going to kill him. You know? And it would. He was so incredibly smart and talented, and he could heave that ball up to Larry, and it was just awesome to watch, and he was tough. But when you're talking about the guys that are going to be like, are you the greatest ever? Mm-hmm. You didn't win a ring, and that is going to forever hinder him. And I seriously, if it were up to me, he'd be a first ballot, no question. But I think that those guys in Canton are pretty strict about it. And I think he'll eventually get in, but I just went. Yeah, and and what's interesting about his career to me is, I mean, he doesn't have the Pro Bowls either. And part of that is the years, a couple of years in Oakland are a few of his prime years. And even one of those seasons where he played nine games for them, he was really good, statistically speaking, um, in, in like yards per attempt and throwing the ball down the field and stuff like that. But they hurt his case a little bit, that three-year section where things go wrong with Cincy, and then he gets a bad reputation because of that, and then they send him to the black hole in Oakland. It's like the portions of his career early and the portions of his career late are as good as anybody, but that little... That little three or four year section, I think, really harms him. If he had been great during that time and maybe reached NFC Championship games, even if he didn't win a Super Bowl, just gotten there, he's probably one of those guys we talk about. Yeah, like guaranteed, he's going to go into the Hall of Fame for sure. I mean, I remember talking to Justin Smith, old cowboy. We're going to have to get him on the show one time. That he's a great is, player too, dude. You want to talk about underrated, ruthless, dude? He's getting into the Hall of Fame for sure. But we're going to get him on sometime. But when he would talk about Carson, he was like, dude, let me tell you what. that Because remember, they made it into the playoffs, and then he tore his ACL, and so did Chad on the same play. Remember that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Dude, Justin was like, I'm telling you right now, that was our year to win it. We were going to win it. The first play, these two guys tear their ACLs. The entire team looks and goes, it's over. Yeah, that was – oh, who, Done. Hit him? who hit him for Cincinnati? It, it was like uh, the first play of the game. He throws a bomb. Yeah. It's caught. Yeah, and then uh, – the guy with the long name from Pittsburgh falls on his ankle. Yeah, I, I'm, yeah. Look, I'm looking statistically here, and again, I know how much you get great joy in these things, but there's a <laughs> pro football reference has this thing called approximate value, which tries to make, uh, it's sort of like a wins above replacement type statistics. And 
Carson Palmer is in the same ballpark as a lot of Hall of Famers. I think this would actually surprise people. He's ahead of Bob Greasy, who you know is an older quarterback, but just behind Marcus Allen, he's in the same ballpark as James Lofton, same ballpark as Tony Dorsett, ahead of Donovan McNabb, ahead of John Randall, ahead of Derek Thomas, ahead of Thurman Thomas. In, actually, he has a higher approximate value than Terry Bradshaw does. So I, I think there is probably a like low-key, really good argument for Carson Palmer to make the Hall of Fame, but not having the ring will hold him out for a while. For sure. Because what's the first thing everybody asks you? Super Bowl, right. Uh, how many did you win? Yep. None. Exactly. Uh, even a good quarterback with a crappy defense can get it done, dude. Sorry. <laughs> you know what? Uh, I got to say, before we go to break and then we get to some hot routes, that Ooh. it's very hard to impress my wife, but... She grew up in Los Angeles, so having Carson Palmer on the show, she was impressed by that. So I appreciate you. Thank you for doing that. Are you kidding me? Thank you for keeping me from fumbling over myself. I love that guy. I couldn't even like control myself. I love him. You know, you know what though? You're uh, you, you're becoming a broadcaster here. You're doing a lot of stuff, not just our show. And so introing guests—that's a skill. And you did a great go. job introing uh, Carson Palmer. Good job with that. I did it all in one breath too. You you're did. <laughs> All right, Alex Boone with us for two hours here, so we'll be on till four. Judd Zolgad's going to pop in. It's hot routes. It's Alex's favorite time of the week, except for when yeah. we talk to Carson Palmer. So uh, if you missed any of that, again, go check out the podcast. Go check out scorenorth.com. You can find it there. We'll be right back here on Score North. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. <laughs> It's Purple Daily. Caller has questions. Blue 58! Blue 58! Go! And he wants your answers. Street! Red, red, red! Red Polly! Blue Poncho! In rapid fire fashion. Gun flex right stack. 394 dragon smoke. It's Hot Routes on Purple Daily. 588! 397! It's been a while, friends, since we have ramped up the hot routes. We've had a lot to talk about here on Purple Daily, but take a little deep breath. And again, if you missed any of our conversation with Carson Palmer, scorenorth.com, or go wherever you get your podcast, type in Purple Daily, and boom, it'll be right there. Alex Boone, Judd Zolgad is in studio. He heard there were routes. He heard they were hot. And so now he is here. No Carson Bam. Palmer. No, no, uh, no Car- Carson no, Palmer, no, man. No Carson Palmer he for you. great. He was Sorry, really Judd. good. Yeah. That's okay. Um, all right, Je- uh, Jonathan, ramp up our NFL music and let us go and do some hot routes where we take some headlines around the league and then relate it to other things, either about ourselves or the National Football League, and answer key questions. So here is my first one for you fellas. A.J. Green says he is getting closer to returning to his bus fire of a team in the Cincinnati Bengals, who have not helped my touchdown team at all. Thanks, Joe Mixon and Tyler Boyd, for never scoring touchdowns at all. I, I guess I did bring that on myself a little bit by drafting Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, um, thank you. Thank and, you. Thank you. you, know, you it's, think? It's, it's called accountability. All right? Hey, listen, by the way, where are we at with that? Who's winning? Not now? you. <laughs> God, I, doesn't Teddy throw a touchdown every now and then? Yeah, well, you, you're not getting Teddy's uh, touchdown. Oh, no, so I'm not getting I put them. it to oh, a my. vote, and no one would oh, give it to you, so man, sorry, God, buddy. It's yeah. on. Well, right. I want you guys... you um, got to come here and lay down the law to Mackey and company. That's I, what you got to do. I feel like um, A.J. Green 
has uh, been the victim of bad teams, bad at quarterback play for his entire career. He's been an elite wide receiver, one of the best in the NFL. And his career is great, but could have been even better if he didn't play for the Bengals for so long. I want you to give me another player who comes to mind that was consistently great, but you always kind of felt bad for them because of the franchise they played for. How about uh, you start, Judd? I'm going to give you a troika of names. I'm going to give you three names that immediately came to mind because I have a passion for hot routes. (laughs) Number one, Barry Sanders. Oh, my gosh, did he deserve better, right? Mm -hmm. Number two, a lion after Barry, Calvin Johnson. But here's where I'm going to get at the heartstrings of Alex Boone. My third name, (laughs) Joe Thomas. Old lineman gave it. He was so good, and he gave his all. And Joe Thomas spends his whole career, partially by his own doing, but spends his whole career in Cleveland? Those three names give him one. Wow. All right, so I, I, I obviously took the Joe Thomas route, too. Oh, Lyman, I always felt bad for Joe. Like, God, if this guy could ever just play on a good team, I think we would really see how amazing a left tackle could be. But two of the other guys I had, one of them was Takeo Spikes. And Takeo, yeah. I played with Takeo my rookie year. He, he had just come from Buffalo. And then he came to us. And we went those terrible years in the beginning with Mike Singletary. And then as soon as he left, he goes down to San Diego. We started going to the playoffs. Like, I was like, dude, I had never felt so bad because the Bills had went to the stretch for the playoffs when he left there. And then when he left us, we went to the playoffs. And then he left the Chargers, and they went to the playoffs. And I was like, (laughs) man, maybe it's just you, dude. Like, eventually you got to think it's just you have bad karma. But I always felt bad for him. And I was going to say Carson Palmer. I always felt bad because – there's one person I felt should always have had one one. It was Carson Palmer. I mean, Cincinnati and Oakland for most of his career. And then Arizona <sighs> is a pretty bad franchise overall. It was bad. And then Dude, he bad. really bad. made them relevant again, was, was a huge part of that. Uh, and Kurt Warner, obviously. I'm going to go a little bit of a deep cut here into my childhood with Eric Moulds. Eric Moulds, very A.J. <laughs> Green-like. Eric Moulds was a great yes. wide receiver. Not good, great oh. wide receiver. He could do absolutely anything consistent, great great uh, statistics that he put up, 94 catches one year, 100 catches in another year, and yet he had to play with the likes of Kelly Holcomb, J.P. Lossman. One time they benched him because he said that Kelly Holcomb should play over J.P. Lossman, so he got benched. Greg Williams was his head coach at a time. Who it, is this? It was, it was bad. Eric Moulds, former Buffalo Bill. I know. I got, I Do you not remember? Oh, yeah. I look this guy He's up. good. Okay, I'll, I'll go another deep cut. Because this guy went from the Phoenix Cardinals to the Arizona Cardinals to Washington to Buffalo. Larry Centers. Oh, fullback, fullback Larry Centers. Yeah, he's yep. good. Imagine Larry playing he's good. for the Phoenix Cardinals and then the Buffalo or then the Washington football squad and then the Buffalo Bills. And I don't believe this man ever made the playoffs, even though, no, he did a couple games, made the playoffs. Poor Larry Centers. Like, borderline Hall of Fame player. Necro. Amazing guy. He, he was more of a receiving type of All right. question. Fullback. I, I have a guy that might even have deserved a neck roll. Would London Fletcher have counted? Oh, yeah. Love London uh-huh. Fletcher. There's another guy who played for the Bills. Now he's on Fox. You see him on Fox in those weird suits that just totally <laughs> don't make sense to me. But talk about a guy that deserved a neck roll. That guy seriously tried to kill me one time at the bottom of a pile. And it's because we were both from Cleveland. That's why he did it. He told me. He's like, I tried to kill you because you're from Cleveland. <laughs> I was like, great. Oh, thanks. What's what did wrong he, with you? London? What did he do that tried to kill you? He had his hand around my neck. He was like, you're going to die today. And I was like, oh, bro, it is on. (laughs) 
He was one of these guys. So I had known London. I had known him from high school. I trained with him. And so we had known each other a little bit. So I get out there, and he's like, yo, AP, what's up, dude? So I'm like, dude, how are you still playing? I play, I like trained with you in high school. So he's like, come on, man, we're going to have fun today. First play, he cuts my legs out from underneath me. He's like, fun, huh? I was like, dude, what is wrong with you? Like, Why would you do that to somebody? He's like, dude, it is on the whole day. He was the nastiest player I ever played in my life. I loved him. You know, one time, Alex, you said in the locker room that uh, reporters all wish they could be the players. They wish they could be on the field. You're wrong, sir. You're wrong. I do not want London Fletcher <laughs> trying to kill me. Nope. I would play basketball. Great. I'd play in the great. NBA. I would not play this sport. You are a psycho. I loved it. If I if I start my day with another man who's very large saying I'm trying to kill you, the difference between Boone and I short. is I'm crying. Boone's like, yeah, it's on. I'm like, no, don't kill me. No, I don't London was great. We, I'm telling you, he was like one of the nicest guys, but you caught him between the lines, and he just like flipped a switch. He was awesome to be around too. That's great. Uh, all right, next hot route here. Patrick Mahomes uh, has lost his last couple of games, but having a crazy season, currently on pace to break the all-time passing yards record. What other NFL record would you fellas like to see challenged or broken? Who wants to go first? Jonathan, oh. I entirely skipped over you in that last one. I'm sorry about that. That's okay. Did you have a player? Uh, Willie Rofe. Oh, Willie Rofe. That's Ooh, a time pro Willie, Willie Rofe. Rofe. Nice. Hall of Famer. Nice. 99 on Madden. Yes. That's why you picked Willie Rowe. Absolutely. He was unreal on Madden. You Played always... for a crappy Saints organization yes. throughout the 90s and never made the playoffs until he was 30 years old. I'm sorry for skipping you. Oh, yeah, okay. you know what? You can't skip him. He's a, he made a great no, point. Willie Rowe. Willie Rowe's right. amazing. John, you go first on this one then. <laughs> I agree. Go ahead. Uh, mine would be the all-time sack record. I mean, the, the record right now is at 200. Bruce Smith has it. The gap between one and two is only two sacks between Bruce Smith and Reggie White, but the gap from one to three is 40 sacks. That's the wow. entire career of Daniil Hunter at this point. Oof, that's crazy. That is a lot. I want to see that record broken just because that's a massive amount of sacks over one career. That is a lot of sacks. I want to see the uh, most career starts like in a row. Consecutive starts. The far record? Yeah, I want to see that broken by. Ooh. But it's got. I feel like it's got to be done by somebody that's like perfect. You know, like a Gardner Minshew, like somebody that's like, <laughs> dude, this guy deserved that record. That guy was a journeyman. It can't be a punter though, right? No, dude, that's didn't, not fair. Didn't, uh, <laughs> didn't Fegels break Jeff Jim Fiegel. Marshall's record before Favre broke Fegels record? It was something weird like that. But it was a punter. I'm like, this is BS. It can't no, be a punter. Yeah, that fair. doesn't count. That does not count no, at all. No, what do you got, Judd? I've got, just to say his name, the uh, season interception record, which is 14 since oh, 1952 by Dick Night Train Lane. <laughs> I want to see Dick Night Train Lane's 14 picks in 1952 as a rookie with the Los Angeles Rams uh, broken. I did not know, know this until today. Do you guys know... It has been since 2007 that anybody even had as many as 10 picks. I mean, since 2008, yeah, they just don't Yeah, yeah. I, they don't have I thought that they go down. I'm, every year, you'd be like, man, they're going down this year. 14. Wow. I want 15. Dick Night, t- Night Train Lane out of the record book. Well, well, wait, 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 who do you want to break it, though? Do you have anybody in mind? Mm, At boy. least I gave a name. I mean, come on, guys. <laughs> It's too late for Rhodes to break it because he's too washed up now by this wow. point in time. Oh, wow. Well, he's a nice player, but it's it's done. <laughs> it's done. Jalen Ramsey. 
Because God has miraculously healed his back. It's amazing. (laughs) He's gone to Los Angeles and Southern California, and his back problems are all done. It was the flight. It was the flight. Is that what it was? It always makes people's back better. Yeah, thank you. Hey, listen, you might have a legitimate answer for Kittle, though, over there. That's that's trouble. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think he fits in well with that team. I just question the amount they gave up for him. Uh, Anyway... I'm going to go with the kick return for touchdown record, which is totally within Cordero Patterson's sights. Did anybody know who it belongs to? Anybody? A little trivia. Kevin Hester. Yeah. Uh, not for just kick returns. That's probably punt and or total returns, right? Actually, um, there's a, a... Oh, is it Allen from the Chiefs? Uh, nope, it is not. It is Josh Cribbs from the Cleveland Browns. Oh, Yep, he is tied. Alex, that should have been all you. Tied nah, with, there's uh, no way. Tied you sure? with Leon Washington. Yeah. <laughs> Are uh, you d- sure someone from the Browns holds a record? Yes, I know. That's <laughs> oh not God. a bad one. Uh, I know. Dante Hall and Mel Gray have six, and along with Cordell Patterson, also Gail Sayers had six. Uh, Percy Harvin had five. Hester had five. So uh, I would love to see Cordell Patterson get a few more and own an all-time record because I think, Judd, you and I are on the same page. I don't know if I've ever asked you about this, Alex. I really like Cordero Patterson, and I think he's super fun. I think the Vikings didn't use him in enough cool ways, and I loved watching him anytime he had the football. I loved Cordero. I loved his energy. I loved the way that when he got the ball, he could make a lot of things happen. I agree with you. I don't think they got Cordero. That's all they had to do. Just hand him the ball. Give him the ball? Like, yeah. Why do you like? They're like, hey, we're going to run a, a dig route. You're like, dude, just give him the ball. Yeah, he and has let no him idea run. what that route is. Yeah, he's not only that, he doesn't <laughs> care what that route is. He's like, yo, what are we doing out here, guys? Like, <laughs> Like, dude, Cordell, you got to use your blockers. Stop. I did. I did have a theory, and I don't know if this, if there was anything to this, but it's. It felt like to me that either Pat Shermer or Sam Bradford said, "Can we at least give him the football sometimes?" Because in 2015, he basically didn't play at all, and then 2016, they at least used him in with some screen passes and things like that. But, yeah, so it's got us going now. And then they went to the Patriots and then Chicago. I mean, dude, he, everyone's finding out, hey, listen, if you just get him the ball somehow on the edge, he could do things and make it happen. All right, uh, next hot route here. Bill Belichick traded Demarius Thomas, and he was asked about trading Demarius Thomas, and he said he was being truthful at the time that he got Demarius Thomas, but things change. Like we sign a guy that then we're going to cut a few minutes later because a bunch of weird assault charges come out and stuff like that. So that's what changed. Um, Bill Belichick is the guy who you would least trust if you left a 20 on your table, right, and walked away. (laughs) Give me the person in football who's next behind Bill Belichick who you would think would do something and be like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't even know who you are. Judd, I'm going to leave this one to you. I'll let you go first. Oh, this is so simple. Because I'm not going coach. I'm going commissioner. Roger Goodell. One of the most... Who's tanking? Never heard of tanking. What's a tank? And you know what? Officiating is just a small problem. I mean, of course we don't want this to be a problem. But we are working so hard. When you are actively working to screw things up, this guy, I wouldn't trust Roger Goodell any day of the week. If I'm a team, I don't trust him. If I'm the officials, the players, nobody trusts Roger Goodell for good reason. John? Uh, mine was going to be Roger Goodell, but I'll go with the other guy who's ruining refing right now, Alberto River. Oh, Alberto. Alberto! That's a good one. Alberto. Just with how quickly officiating in this league has gone downhill. I'm going to miss Alberto, yeah. only because we yell his name every time we talk about him. Alex, who, who in the game... 
I was going to go last because I was going to say anybody that works in the NFL, you can't trust <laughs> anybody. And you guys are over here like, oh, well, just the commissioner, dude. I don't trust the dude sitting next to me. I'm not leaving a $20 bill down there. Come on, we're all hustlers. Get out of here. So you're talking players, too. Dude, everybody. I don't trust Love any it. of you. Dude, it was hilarious. I remember my rookie year. I show up. I'm not kidding you. I get off the bus first day. Crabtree's. Like, you know, doing his holdout, whatever, we get there, and they're like, you know, this is all the stuff, this is all your money, this is the rookie locker. It was like this crappy place. So whatever, Crabtree shows up like a month later in the training camp, and he shows up, he's like, this is my stuff, and nobody touched it. They're like, dude, are you serious? What? Don't touch it. Dude, what? You're late for practice. What are you doing? Let's go. Like, nobody's going to go through your stuff. Get out of here, dude. Like, you can trust the players, but coaches... They're sneaky, dude. They're always in there stealing food, dip. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. You, I've caught them in my locker before. Like, dude, those are my Wait. shoes. They're like, just for a minute, dude. I just need it for a minute. You're like, dude, where are you going with my shoes? <laughs> just got to go outside real quick. Like, God, what coach would back. steal dip? I can't imagine any coach who would steal a dip. Oh, tons. That's the worst. They'd be like, hey, you got him in the no. I don't. Like, go through his locker. He's got some. I know he does. Like, God. <laughs> Zim rifling through people's lockers. No, those oh, are man. seeds. Those oh, are yeah. those uh-huh. are seeds that he those has are seeds, on the coach. I swear, yeah, no, that's not working. Um, <laughs> I, I was going to go with Daniel Snyder. I just, that's I mean, why great, great why call. would there be any reason to ever trust Daniel Snyder with anything, ever? Uh, all right, last one. Speaking of Daniel Snyder, <laughs> Dwayne Haskins finally getting some first team reps in DC. Playing for this franchise with who the hell knows who his coach is going to be. I want you guys to give me your confidence level that Dwayne Haskins, A, will be any good in the NFL considering his circumstances, and B, is the quarterback here when the Vikings match up with Washington on national television. Why don't you start, Alex? I think he's... They've given up on that team, and they're like, hey, listen, they've obviously fired the coach, and the next thing is, what can this quarterback do? The problem that you're going to have is you've thrown him in too early. Like, his first game was three interceptions. Like, dude, it was we were so not ready, and now we're all of a sudden going to be like, hey, we're going to make a decision on him now. This happens all too often to players, and everyone comes down on the players. It's not fair. I mean, he's going to have Bill Callahan now after going from Jay Gruden. You have Bill Callahan. Bill Callahan's not coming back next year, so now you're going to have a third coach, and it's already his second year. I mean, I think that you can ruin people early on by doing things like this, and in Washington, they just clearly don't care. Yeah, and I mean, look at what happened to Josh Rosen so far. Scale of oh. one to ten, oh. this poor kid, I'm at a two. Like, there, he's not going to have a chance. No. I don't know if he's good or, or not, but that franchise, and by the time they play here, guess what? Haskins start, uh, starts because who's going to dictate? He starts your guy, Daniel Snyder. He's the guy who drafted him. Yeah. So, but how how on earth is this a league where there's such a premium on trying to find quarterbacks, and the Dolphins and Cardinals and Washington are actively sabotaging them? I don't understand it. Yeah, you caller, you mentioned uh, the name that I'm going with the confidence scale right now, Josh Rosen. It's about the same as him succeeding. Yeah, just because the Tough. circumstance you got it, you got a crappy organization who doesn't put pieces around you, doesn't put an offensive line around you, and now they've fired the guy, fired a head coach. And now you're going to go like Boone said. Three head coaches in a year—that's tough on a 22-year-old. And and you think about it, like think about Josh Rosen, like his name just got brought up. So you're talking about a top ten pick, right? Mm-hmm. Two mm-hmm. years ago, who's on his second team? Who's probably going to be on his third team by next year? Because Miami's going to be like, "Yo, man, we got our dude. We're good. Peace out. Like we don't want to have to pay this dude all this money." Yep. 
And so then everyone's going to go, well, dude, this guy's a first-round pick, and this is his third team. Like, no way we want him. And that's just circumstantial. It's not his fault that the Miami's tanking. I mean, <laughs> right. it, you can try as hard as you want when they take all your key pieces away from you, and they're like, no, you can't play with that. Oh, can't play with that either. Oh, you need that to protect you? Sorry, that's ours now. They're like, <laughs> dude, what am I going to do? Just run around and get smacked all day? Like, this poor kid, I feel terrible for both of them. Yeah, I mean, they've got people who look like Jonathan out there playing left tackle for Josh Rosen. I mean, it's just awful that the offensive line that they have, they don't have weapons and then they put him in and then they pull him and put Fitzpatrick back in. Like, what exactly are you guys doing? Um, nobody seems to know. And then great play call. They have a chance to win a game and it was almost like, oh no, we don't want to win that game. <laughs> Correct. Hey, uh, hey, 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 guys, we know the goal here, right? We all remember the goal, we remember the mission, like the owner's calling down, like, hey, we remember what we're doing here, right? We're just biting the bullet. Let's go with the most obvious screen pass ever, okay? Let's tip it off, and let's just have them tackle us in the backfield. Uh, And and, and everything will be okay, and we'll draft the kid from LSU. It's tour time, yeah. really good. Um, I don't have much confidence, and and I wanted to bring this up, that I think it's time to ban forever the... This is why Washington got rid of Kirk. Washington is stupid as hell. And they are the worst-run organization possibly in sports. And, well, there were probably reasons that Kirk Cousins and that squad didn't get along and things like that. He's going to be one of their most successful quarterbacks over the last like two decades. And them doing a thing doesn't prove anything. I mean, they had there were reasons. And there were things that happened that were on him and not necessarily on them. But they are so clueless and lost and have no idea what they're doing that they shouldn't be any longer referenced as, well, they made this decision. We can see why now. Like, no, they're stupid. So, <laughs> yeah, that's accurate. That's fair. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. All right. <laughs> let's uh, take a break, come back, and let's get back into Vikings and the Lions. Give you guys what's going on in the injury report and a question about the left tackle position that we brought up. Earlier in the week, there's an update on that. We'll talk about it when we come back. Purple Daily here on Score North. Well, you open yourself up to that. I mean, when you do call out guys or talk about the refs or um, have excuses or start getting in conversations with, you know, Colin Cowherd's one of the biggest names in in the radio world. and, And once you start those kind of feuds and those Twitter battles, you're opening yourself up. Carson Palmer there joining us earlier on the show here today. Matthew Collar, Alex Boone, and Judd Zelgad. Purple Daily, if you missed any of that, make sure you get it. The podcast version, wherever you get your podcasts, just type in Purple Daily. You'll find it or scorenorth.com. Make sure you go there as well. All right, uh, fellas, big picture on the Lions and the Vikings. Judd, you earlier on Ventline were talking about whether we got a little too high snorting the win over the Eagles. <laughs> yeah, I was chopping it up, and yeah. I was thinking to myself, put it on a mirror. I shouldn't be doing this. And, uh, it's dangerous. It was, Bad for me. It was a good win, yes. and the quarterback played absolutely fantastic football. Yep. And it was every bit like the win you deserved. Like, you played great, mm-hmm. and you won the game, and the other team's quarterback was good, but you slowed him down when you needed to. Um, th- does that change how you feel about this team overall why don't you start judd and then alex it started to too much and and then i i put the i put the snorting down and i said back (laughs) away back away from the purple dust back away and think about this 
three weeks ago, we were this team was two and two. Diggs did not show up for work on Monday and Wednesday, and we were all saying, "What the hell's wrong here?" And it fe- it felt like two and five, right? And, and so the Giants win. Okay, that's great, but they are bad football team. The Eagles are defensively not great, but you know what? Nice win. But that being said, it's one good game plan. It's one really good game from Kirk. So so there are building blocks there. But if this team wins on Sunday, I think we still need to, Alex, slow down and say, let's take this to the bye. Let's, because we tend to, in this sport, ride the, the ups and downs. Week by week. Man, they're great. Man, they stink. Man, they're great. Um, The reality is this defense is good. We know that to be a fact. What we don't know is offensively, play calling and Kirk. Is Kirk going to be put into a position week by week to be as successful as possible? He was on Sunday, but you know what? I can't say, man, this is it. Corner turned. I can say, nice performance. Build off this one. I agree. And I think there's a lot of things that you could build on this performance. I don't. I think when you're, I guess it's hard because as a player, Carson said it best. You never want to get to, oh my god, or you never want to get to, oh my god. You know, you never <laughs> want to go. You always want to sit in the middle and be like, hey, it's okay. Like you always heard the word okay a million times as a player, and you'd be like, dude, when is okay going to be like the the standard around here? Like, and they're like, it's okay because there's it's football, man, and things happen and. How you capitalize off of a turnover or a sudden change or, you know, the ball bouncing in your favor or not in your favor, that dictates how the game's going to go. What you're seeing now is momentum and they're kind of taking these steps. How you go from here, because now you're going to start to really play whether people want to say it or not. I mean, Detroit has a good defense, right? I mean, they're not, I'm not going to say they're world beaters. They're not top class, but they're, they're a well-run defense by a well-run coach who was a protege to one of the greatest coaches ever. So I think that what you're seeing is some really good football being played on defense. The problem I have is what's going to happen when they get punched in the mouth. And that's what we talked about last time on Tuesday with Courtney was sometimes when you kind of give this water under the bridge mentality, and I heard that a lot, and it pissed me off all the time because that meant that somebody wasn't pulling their weight. It's water under the bridge. Okay, so who's not doing their work, and why are they? Why are we pulling the slack for them? What do they bring to the table? Are they going to start pulling their weight? I mean, like, as, an, as a player, especially as an old lineman, you're used to getting punched in the face. So you're like, eventually this is just routine. I know what I'm going to do. I'm not going to panic. I'm going to chill. When other guys get punched, that's when you have to be like the calm, the calm down guy. Hey, dude, it's okay. We're okay. We're going to be okay, dude. All right? And sometimes those outside guys and the guys behind you, they can't handle that. And you're like, hey, dude, it's okay. I'm worried that there's nobody on offense to do that right now. When they get punched in the mouth, who's going to be the guy that goes, hey, we're okay? Is it Kirk? Because everyone's going to be looking at Kirk some type of way like, hey, man, you need to get us out of this. He's going to be like, we're okay, and they're going to be like, show us. Ah, okay. You know what I'm saying? And that's been the trend here over the last two years is when they do get punched in the mouth early on in games, he usually doesn't recover. He usually sort of stays down and there's turnovers and, and there's panicking and things like that, and we saw that in Chicago. And that's what the, when you're talking about a, like a defense, you know, there's K 
Kendricks. Kendricks is a guy that when he gets punched in the mouth, he'd be like, dude, get off of me. We're good, okay? We're fine. The problem is when you go to the offensive side, you say, is it Delvin? Well, what if Delvin's not doing what he's supposed to be doing? You know, like, then he's kind of frustrated. Who does he lean on? Like, eventually there has to be somebody that everyone's leaning on that's like, hey, man, we got this. We're going to be okay. When you look at the offense, after what's happened so far, and I'm only saying this because I've been in a locker room and to what I've seen so far this year, when people start going rogue, Things are being covered up so fast that you're like, dude, that doesn't even matter if it's smooth or not. We just have to go. Like, hey, we're all good, right? Okay, no one cares. We're going. Like, that's just how it goes. And eventually, like, tempers flare again. You're going to get punched in the mouth. How do you respond? The truth will come back out. Like, you're not going to be able to hide it forever. Here's my thought. Because there, there is, in my mind, on this offense now, there is nobody to do that. The QB should. He can't. He can't. You can't ask. You can't ask people to do things they can't do. I honestly think, and this might sound crazy, your only shot here is coaching and stabilizing things and play calling. If you put, if you put Kirk Cousins in a position to fail, I think eight out of ten times he is going to fail. All right. right. So I honestly think it's it is play calling. It's decisions. It's a calmness. But that's why I don't think there is one player out there who can say, guys, shut up, it's fine. I honestly think that that has to go from from a guy like Gary to Kirk and say, Kirk, you need to breathe. It's going to be okay. And everybody has to play off that. And I realize it's a weird ask. It's a big ask. But after what, what we saw in Green Bay, where Kirk Cousins was put in a position to make a play that he should make, but in my mind was put in a position, Alex Boone, to fail, and he did, we now have seen what has to happen, and it's got to start with coaching to me. I agree. And, and Matt, you and I talked about this. Um, everyone's throwing the, the shade on Kirk before, and it was like, dude, it's not really all Kirk's fault. It's on the OC. Remember we had talked about how you keep trying to make this guy something he's not, but he keeps saying, hey, listen, let's just go this direction, and we'll still get the win, and everything will look smoother. Like Eventually, you have to know what your assets are and say, hey, listen, this is what this guy can do. It shouldn't take you five weeks into the season because now you've wasted costly time. You've lost games that are really, really important. Yeah, you're second in the division but we've seen how quick this division can go from top to bottom everybody's like i mean the detroit loses and all of a sudden the entire division just flips upside out Mm -hmm. and the packers stay at the top and you're like wait a minute what just happened here oh okay good this looks good but then it's like well if the vikings lose they're gonna flip back all of a sudden and it's like dude what's going this division's insane and you want to just stay hey listen what's efficient what gets the bus rolling and once the bus gets rolling dude there's so many things you can do with i'm telling you the fact that toss the quarterback tosses the ball to Dalvin. He loves those plays. The fact that you can do that so well and so efficient sets up for so many more things down the road that are just going to come back and people are going to be like, dude, we had no idea what happened. They're tossing the ball all over the place, and this kid's just running down our throat. It's incredible to watch. Let me ask you guys a question. Um, does this have the feeling so far of 2017 or 2018? Um, because 2017, this team did take punches at times and bounce back from them early on after they lost in Pittsburgh. It looked like, okay, this thing might go uh, to hell. <laughs> we didn't even travel to Chicago because we thought this season is just not even going to be that great. And it's kind of why spend the budget? And then, of course, they end up going 
thirteen and three, and they responded, and they were very close as a locker room, and and so forth. But then last year, we also saw a big win against the Philadelphia Eagles. A great performance by Kirk Cousins. It appeared to be a stabilizing force of the locker room, and all those things overcoming Everson Griffin being gone, and and the narrative after the win. Uh, against Philly last year in Philly was, wow, they just proved that they can really do it and they could be as good as we thought. And then eventually it kind of regressed right back to having the same issues. So, Judd, which which way do you kind of feel like this is leaning? Which which one of those seasons? Like, they have they galvanized and they're going to go forward from 2-2? Two and two, Or is it like last year where, yeah, they got a good win, but the same issues still exist? I hate you for asking, asking this, but I love the question. Right now, okay, gun to head right now. I can't. I can't know what's going to occur on Sunday or before the bye. I would have to go eighteen. Seventeen was special in part because of the Keenum buy-in, and in part because Case didn't care. Like Zimmer would get up there and rip him, and Case would be like, "Whatever, I'm, yeah. I'm fine." You had a very mentally tough team that year. You have you have a touchy feely quarterback. Like that is a big bad thing in this sport. You you've got a QB who. If things go south on Sunday, and you you now say, okay, how is he going to do? I say I have no idea, and I think I think that there's a good chance that he might fail. Uh, so gun to head right now, eighteen, which is really too bad because the defense is still very good. What's your thought on that, Alex? I agree. I think it's eighteen, and I think it's sad too because there is so much talent on this defense. But I say for different reasons. I say it's because the shots that that this team is taking, they're not coming from the outside right now. They're coming from inside. It's all friendly fire. It's all this team's doing. It's all their going up to the podium. They're acting childish. They're doing whatever they want. They're, you know, talking but not talking. They're, you know, telling everybody in so many words how much they really don't love their quarterback. There's to me, there's just so much dysfunction that the first uneven road, the first bump in the road, this team's just going to go, you know what, it's his fault. And everything's just going to implode again. And then from there, where does it go? I mean, like I said, it's easy to say, hey, man, we're all good, right? Okay, good, we got to go. Like, we didn't really care if you're okay. We're just kind of going through the motions, and we're just going to go. So I think that eventually, when you hit a snag, the team's going to, the real team's going to come back out and go, hey, listen, now that we're here losing again, let's just bring this up. And all of a sudden, it's like, dude, really? We could we could just let this go. No, dude, I got to bring it up. You're like, God, this is over. It's over. <laughs> Another, I got to do it. You're like, don't so do well it. Don't, don't do it, dude. They're like, no, I have to do this, Boone. All right, all right, I'm leaving. <laughs> so another reason that I might um, compare last year and this year is just the schedule is tough. Um, and we were talking about how it might look not as tough after Dallas didn't play well this last week, after Kansas City has been dealing with some things, Patrick Mahomes' ankle, their lack of ability to block anyone. Um, but when you're looking at the quarterbacks that you have to face still down the road here, even in imperfect teams, it's Matthew Stafford who's playing really well, Patrick Mahomes who's the best quarterback in the game, Dak Prescott when he's got his two tackles plays really well, Russell Wilson, the second-best quarterback in the game at this moment. Stafford again. Washed Aaron Rodgers. Phillip Rivers on the road. Is that his name now? Uh, it is Washed in, Aaron Rodgers? It, it is until he does something really great. And I'm going to be like, I don't know what you guys are talking about. <laughs> like winning the division. What did, what did I say? Yeah. No big deal. Uh, yeah, One the, of the toughest division. You mean, uh, <laughs> you mean the Darius Smith's division. That's, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> their defense. He didn't just drop that into Lazard. He didn't just fall into the <laughs> That line. was a great don't, throw. Don't, don't was a no, great no, 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 no. He's no washed. It's okay. Yeah. He's washed. You can don't be worry. washed and still make a good The second half washed. of that game, the throws he that good. guy made were phenomenal. And thank you, refs, for getting him that win. Uh, uh, anyway. so um, But the point just being that, you know, in 2017, they had the number one defense in the NFL. So even when they had 
times where the offense was not clicking, no one really noticed. In the first half, I remember this really well, in the first half of the Cincinnati game that was maybe like week 16, the offense did not play well right away. And there were a few boos for Case Keenum. There were a few people like, put in Teddy, put in Teddy. Because Keenum had kind of run into some bumps in the road, losing at Carolina. And it looked like, oh, this thing could kind of go sideways with Keenum. But it just didn't matter. The defense dominated, and then you know Cincinnati more or less gave up, and they just kept on rolling, and it looked like everything was fine. The defense here this year is very, very good. Are they the number one defense in the NFL, though? Probably not. And the quarterbacks they have to face are very, very good. So you're going to have to have games against good teams like this week where the offense does the job. And they did it against Philly, which has one of the worst, if not the worst, defense in the entire NFL This will be a better test. I think, guys, I'll have a better feel after this week for how well I think they can handle the second half of the season. Do you guys agree with that? Uh, Yeah, I think that after after this week, when you play another divisional opponent in the way that they're going to get schemed by Matt Patricia, I mean, like I said, they don't have the world-beating defense, but Matt Patricia is going to absolutely know how to try and beat this offense. I mean, I'm sure he's called Bill like, dude, what do I do? Bill's like, here's what you do, Matt. Just pay attention. (laughs) So I'm not sure, like... After this yeah. week, it's like, hey, listen, if they really, if Kirk goes out and throws for over 300 and he does his thing, three TDs, four TDs, two TDs, one, t- one interception, hey, listen, they're taking better steps. They're making momentum going into the bye week. I think that that sometimes can hurt you, though. I just, I'd be prepared yeah. for that. But what Boone said is true, and th- th- this is what comes back and scares me. They're mentally fragile and, and they're chomping at the bit to blame. Like that 2017 team really didn't do that. They were always pretty much galvanized and like, you know what, we don't care. This team, you just feel like, okay, you beat Detroit, now you're in great shape, right? But then you lose a game, and all of a sudden it's like, boy, I didn't get the ball, or you didn't pass a lot. I mean, you. I just keep going back to four games in, one of your top players disappeared for two days. Yep. That's not the norm. No, that doesn't That's not a, odd. Ah, Stefan Diggs disappeared, you know, that's too bad, but that's Stefan. That's he had a not, cough. Water under the bridge, guys. Don't forget. <laughs> See, even like See, the fans get I think upset. Imagine me in a room like, wait a I minute, think you're he's right. not coming today? What? <laughs> you mean he's not going to come to practice? We're practicing today. They're like, no, dude, he's not coming. I think you're right about that. Yeah, and, that was, and that, that weird. But that bugs me because if you're capable of that four games in, what happens if next month things start to go bad again? Mm-hmm. And let's say, let's say it's a brief blip again, but I'm PO'd, right? So I'm not going to come to practice. I don't know. There's just there's something about this team and and the fact that that their quarterback is part of the problem and it's a mental thing. It's not a, a physical thing that concerns me and I don't think the head coach knows how to stop that stop that from happening when it does start to transpire. Time out. I think that he does know how to stop it. I think that sometimes he's a little too bullheadish in how he's going to hmm. stop it. Interesting. I think that there's easy ways to do things, right? Like there's the lazy way that the coach is going to do, which he's just like, hey, listen, let the players do whatever they want. At the end of the day, we'll try and reinforce ourselves in the back end. We'll try and find them a couple times, and they'll come back around and think that we're scary. Then there's the coaches that are like, it's my way or the highway. Well, listen, we get it. We're all human, dude. We all have to be here together, so let's all work together. But if you're not going to work with anyone and you're not going to cave anywhere and you're not going to help out guys in certain areas, then eventually the team's going to start getting really pissed. And I think that sometimes when you're a coach and you're a little too bullheadish, it's like, hey, listen, dude, you got to lighten up somewhere, right? Like somewhere you got to come back and help us around here or do something. You know, you can't be one end of the spectrum and not the other. You know, sometimes I think with this team – 
there are so many really highly intelligent players in the locker room that sometimes I have the feeling that you can have guys analyze the situation really well. And as a maybe as a coaching staff, sometimes I'm not saying you don't want smart players, but you can have a lot of guys going. Huh, I'm kind of seeing the big picture here, and what are we doing? Or why why are we doing this? Why are we doing that? And they can question what's going on. And I think at the end of 2016, that happened. And with the incident in Green Bay, which was a miscommunication, guys. Don't worry. Well, Mis- miscommunication. Well, got so nervous in front of all your damn recorders that he melted down. It's just don't. I mean, if you're going to lie to us, make it better hey, than that. By the way, though, I was in the room with Terrence Newman when that interview came on, and let me tell you something, that was a day of days. <laughs> day oh, of days. I was like, it is on. I mean, if you're going, <laughs> if you're going to try and mislead, doing it by saying Xavier Rhodes gets nervous in front of the media when we all know Xavier Rhodes was not really the best plan of convincing us that we had it wrong, okay? Uh, but but that aside, um, I, I I mean I think that that was sort of your evidence here. I mean you've you've got a lot of players who are very smart, and if the coaching staff isn't I guess convincing them that things are being done the right way, this is where you have Stephon Diggs showing it, and he didn't show it in the right way. But Diggs is a bright guy, and he knows if we're going to try a win by handing the ball off thirty times a game in two thousand nineteen, this isn't really going to work. Like, he knows that he and Thielen have to drive the success ultimately if you're going to go anywhere at the, at the end of the day, you know, in the this, this Super Bowl or deep in the playoffs. You've got to be able to pass the ball to those two guys um, because eventually teams will shut down the run game like Chicago did. And it's a great threat that Delvin Cook is, and he's a great playmaker, but who wins by just handing off over and over again? So I, I guess I could see where th- these very smart players would start to question things when they go wrong. Yeah, I just think that when reaction, it's it's hard because when you're a player, you have so many different emotions going through you. During, like, like I'll give you an easy example. When you're playing a game, sometimes when you're out there in the field, you sense a different vibe, and you're like, "Hey, listen, we need to start doing this." And they're like, "No, we don't." And you're like, "Listen, I know you not think I'm trying to screw this game up because I'm out here playing in it, but we really got to try and think about maybe throwing in some of this." And sometimes they're just like, "No." That's the end of it. Enough. I don't want to talk about it. And you're like, dude, okay, well, I'm just trying to help. Like that's sometimes they just get like that, right? And you got to know, hey, listen, man. This it's like Judd said, they're fragile. And sometimes the quickest like the the littlest crack is going to just set this whole thing off again. And it's like, man, if that's what happened before, what's going to happen next? Like how many guys aren't going to start showing up? Like Diggs didn't do it. We're not coming back. Either. Like, what if the half the defense didn't show up? Like, you know what, dude? We're just putting out way too much, guys. <laughs> Sorry, they're not, not pulling wrong. their they're not pulling their yep. weight, guys. When you start pulling your weight, we'll come back. <laughs> That'd be funny. It's frightening, Football, but it's not untrue. Uh, let's take a break here, and we come back. I've got two reasons that I'm very interested in tonight's game with Kansas City and Denver, and I want to get you guys' thoughts too. We'll be right back. You'll listen to Purple Daily on Score North. Jonathan here with this hour's Score North download. Uh, you can join Dan Terra, Callum Williams, Kendra D. St. Aubin, Jamie Watson, and myself this Sunday for Minnesota United playoff action as they host the LA Galaxy in the first round of the 2019 MLS Cup playoffs from Allianz Field. Pre-game at 7 p.m. with kickoff at 7.30 right here on Score North on AM1500, scorenorth.com, 
and the free Score North mobile app. And I also want to let you know that we here at Score North, we want to send you to that game. All you have to do is have the Score North mobile app be registered, and you can enter for your chance to win a pair of tickets to this Sunday's game through the listener rewards. That's been your Score North download. Now back to the final segment today of Purple Daily. All right, here are the two reasons why I can't wait to watch tonight's game between the Broncos and the Kansas City Chiefs. Give me a better matchup of uniforms and franchises than Chiefs and Broncos. It's not easy to do. 49ers, Cowboys is a legendary Mm. one from the childhood. You know, they were NFC championships all the time. Broncos with the helmet that they wore in the 70s into the 80s was far superior. Oh, yeah. Nobody has improved their jerseys. Kansas City and Denver, though, it's just classic. It's like Montana late in his career versus late in his career Elway. I mean, they had the battles. You had Steve Atwater and Christian Okoye going at it. And even Kansas City has been really good, even when Denver had Peyton Manning. It's just they're two very longtime successful franchises who play on grass and are always on national TV under the lights. I love it. That's one reason. I agree, but I think you know where they went wrong is like they went from a defensive team to an offensive team, and when they had the defense, they never had the offense. And now they got the offense, they don't have the defense. It's like what what happened? You guys totally flip flop, but they had no faith in the players that they had. I mean, look at Justin Houston. Look what he's doing for uh, Indianapolis. I mean his his role on that whole team. They're like, hey Justin, just be the guy that everyone's going to lean on when something goes wrong. Be the positive guy. No matter what happens, he's like, got it. Oh, and when you play at home, have like five sacks and just destroy that team. <laughs> yeah, he's a beast. Dude, no problem. Got that one, too. Like, dude, how pissed did he look to come back there like, you guys screwed me over, and now I'm going to show you why that was a mistake. And, and I'm they telling didn't block you- him on the key play in the game. God. Not a good plan. No big deal. It's okay, guys. <laughs> Blame um, it on the refs. So that's reason number one. It's All just right. it's two great franchises. Number two, though, is I want to get a look at this Denver defense this year because we kind of wrote them off as an easy win. Oh, yeah, okay, Vikings, they play Washington at home. Well, there's a W. Oh, Denver, they stink. Uh, Flacco, he doesn't know what he's doing. And uh, But if they play really well against KC, and then they've got Indy and Cleveland, you know, okay, offenses, and they start to get it together a little bit. I mean, they've won their last two games. They gave a real battle to both Chicago and Green Bay. They only won. Uh, they only lost by two points to Chicago and they by got screwed eleven to Chicago. Green. Yeah, they got screwed in Chicago. And also, I think there was something in the Green Bay game too. But they held Green Bay down pretty well in that game also, and then lost a two-point game to Jacksonville. Like All their losses are really close, and so they might be a little better than we think, and their defense might be a little better what? than we think. Nah, but didn't their defense give up like 275 rushing yards to the Jaguars? Uh, yeah, that was the one where Fournette had 220. Yeah. Yeah. I'm and just going to be honest be with problem. you. Yeah. That's going to be your biggest problem for the rest of the year. Yeah. Like, dude... You better sure that. And you know what? When you lose one of your premier pass rushers, like the offensive line just got way easier. Like, dude, we're just going to slide to one guy the whole game. We're good. We're good, guys. Right. And I, and, but I was thinking about this too, as in a little bit of trappy McTrapperson game when the Vikings ultimately get what to did Denver. You just call it a trappy, trappy McTrapperson. Trappy, <laughs> trappy, trappy, trappy game. What is this? Fifth grade? Yes, yeah, well, I love whatever. It. I love it. This is entertainment, John. Oh. Uh, you know, I mean, Football. you're going into when you play Denver on the Viking schedule. I mean, you're 
you're kind of in a section there where you think, okay, we've got the bye week, and then we've got Seattle, and that one's going to be huge. And okay, let's just get through Denver. Flacco stinks. We'll take care of him. And but it's Vic Fangio is running that team, and Vic Fangio messed with Kirk Cousins' mind pretty good that last game's year. Here though, right? And so I, I want to see if they get smoked by Kansas City, then I'll think, ah, eh, well, okay, you know, whatever. But if they play really well against KC, I might say, you know, take that one seriously. Here though. Yeah, even Flacco here. Vic here. Fangio, man. No. That offense here, I think they'll get flustered. Anybody here. I know. I mean, how much of an X factor is this stadium? Teams come in here, they look like they've never played football before. Like uh, Even coaches or doing co- stupid yeah. things. Like Seriously. Coach, what's have the kicker throw. Doug We're going to do a fake field goal. Wait, what? <laughs> Dude, Carson Wentz, your quarterback, you can be an MVP, and you're going to have who throw uh, the ball? What yeah. an idiot. Yeah, you're right about how that. How do you call that? No I still Especially don't when that. you're the team that goes for it on fourth down. Like, nobody, everyone would have been like, this is totally normal. It's totally cool. Dude, they called an ISO. Totally cool. Yeah. Uh, Alex, awesome stuff. I'm really glad we had a chance to talk to your buddy. I'm going to call him your buddy, Carson Palmer. Thank you. And uh, now you're officially the show's guest booker, so the pressure is on. Your producer now, Booney. See you later. Yeah. Justin Smith next week, guys. Okay. All right. Vikings tried to get him. Did they win? Back in, in the day, yeah. yeah. They tried. He's a great player. All right. Game um, Alex, you'll be back on Tuesday with Courtney Cronin and I. Yep. We'll be talk to you then. And Judd, uh, who knows? You're around. Uh, don't worry about it. All right. Uh, worry you're actually it. up next with oh. uh, Mackie and Rami as well. So if you miss Carson Palmer, check him out. Get it on the podcast or scorenorth.com. We will catch you tomorrow on Purple Daily. The South Dakota Stories, Volume 3. It was my first time traveling alone. Packed my car with hiking boots, a camera, and my dog, Randy. I don't know what I was searching for. Maybe it was something new with adventure. Maybe it was the idea of vacation I would never expect. Filled with wildlife, national parks, rivers. Whatever it was I set out to find, it was all there and more. Because there's so much South Dakota. So little time. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.